The Soda Pod is proudly presented by 7th Avenue Pizza. 7th Ave Pizza produces the highest quality, best tasting frozen pizza available in the market today. If delicious toppings are what you crave, look no further. Try the meat sauce pizza today because it wails, folks. Follow them at 7th Avenue Pizza to stay current on where you can grab yours today. Get you some 7th Avenue Pizza today. Now let's get right to the show. All right, we're back. Uh, Judge Bud's mailbag part two episode something. Don't know. Could be anything. Who knows? Uh, I hope this is on. Probably is it, and I'm probably fucking this up, but it's all right. Talk about the mic because I just took the AirPods out. But anyways, let's just go. Um, no intro needed other than uh, Rangers Tampa game five is on. Uh, so Tampa's back. Um, so this one might go the distance. Hopefully it does. Pretty good series. Uh, the fact that they're doing this without Braden Point really fucks my shit up. I, like they're just so nasty. But um, anyways, about twelve minutes left in the third. One one still. Uh, we'll see how that ends. But I did remember. I remembered to do part two of the mailbag. We got. We did it. I did almost forget. Very much so. Um. And then I remember I was like, fuck, I'll even like I'll even know if I want to. But you know what? We're gonna do it because I'm dedicated to the good people who still listen to this podcast. And uh we got some questions to get to. So with that said, that's enough talking. Let's just get into it. Uh first question comes from Tyler. Who do you like between Korchinski and Matechuk? Who do you think goes higher than expected at the draft and who falls? So part one, Kurchinski or Dent Matechuk. So Dent Matechuk, we talked about him before. Um, he's a he was D partners with Damon Hunt and Moose Jaw, the most electrifying defensive pair in the WHL for my money. Highlight real shit every night. Um, just a really fun pair to watch. High octane. They both play like rovers. They're always moving. They don't sit still. Um, and on the other side, you have Kevin Korchinski of Seattle. Um, also, another really, really good left shot defensive prospect. Another highlight reel uh, type guy. Um, a little bigger. So, for me, um, you know, personally, I like Matejchuk. Um, I just like the way he plays. You know, it's not so much individual, which he does have plenty of individual skill. Um, you know, and he is definitely electric and he's definitely a highlight real guy. Uh, but I like his game more just with the activation. Again, like we're talking about a kid that's always moving. Um, the skating is unbelievable. Crossovers, the speed, uh, lateral movement, um, you know. So I like just that style. It's just in motion. Um, and with him, he's a little smaller. He's about 5'11", 190, but... Um, I just like the way he plays more. I do think Korchinski ends up going first um, between those two. I think, you know, he's 6'2", 6'3", he's about 200 pounds. Um, somewhat more physical, not really. I do think Matejchuk's a little bit better defensively just with the way he defends off the rush. Um, you know, because he's always in motion, he's always going to keep that good gap 
Um, you know, if there is a turnover in the offensive zone and he's going back to to defend a two-on-one or um, he's defending someone one-on-one, he's always good at keeping guys wide. Um, he's good with the stick. I think there's a little bit more hockey IQ there. Uh, whereas Kraczynski is, I wouldn't say he's a liability to his defensive end, uh, but I don't think he's necessarily as good. Now, when it does come down to, you know, if they're, if it's, you know, they're defending in their own zone, um, you know, just with the fact that Kraczynski's probably a little bit bigger and stronger, um, you know, he's more apt for that. But uh, just for me, again, it's the transition game that I like in the activation. I like the style that the Tate Chuck plays. Um, you know, when you think about like a Colorado Avalanche team, um, he would fit right in with that. Sometimes, you know, I think he plays somewhat, um, he's definitely more flashy and he's, there's probably a lot more, actually, I mean, even this guy did put up a lot of offense too this season, just playing with Bakar, but, um, he reminds me a little bit of Devon Taves and the way that he plays and how he defends, you know, not so much rough and tough, like throwing these massive hits and, um, getting nasty in front of the net. It's just completely, um, you know, the rush defense for me. So uh, that's why I like with Tatechuk. That being said, I do think Korczynski goes probably higher. Just I think his his style of game is probably a little bit more comfortable for um, and more familiar to, to NHL coaches and NHL franchises. So I do think he goes a little bit higher than Matejchuk goes, but not by much. But if it was my choice, I would go Matejchuk just because I really like the way he plays and his style and uh, that type of hockey. And I think, you know, to an extent, I think a lot of the really good teams that you see um, – you know, it's it's a little bit – a lot of those defensemen play a little bit more like Matejchuk, um, but, you know, there are so few teams that do that. Do that. So, uh, for me, it's Matejchuk, but, again, I do think Korczynski ends up going higher. Um, and he's also – I'm not even trying to, like, say that, you know, I think he's way better – Matejchuk's way better. Uh, Korczynski's unbelievable as well. But, um, but anyways, my guy's Matejchuk, but Korczynski, I'm guessing, goes higher. Um, who do you think goes higher than expected at the draft? Um, just putting this up. So I would probably say a guy, well, one guy, I'm not sure if it's necessarily higher than expected as in, um, you know, like a Tyler Boucher situation where he definitely like shouldn't go where he did, you know, the Ottawa Senators pick that went 10th overall uh, last season, which was crazy. I love Boucher. I love the way he plays, but not at 10 overall. Um, or if you're just saying a guy that's kind of risen up the rankings unexpectedly, but um, deserves it. So for me, that guy would be like a Marco Casper. He's definitely got himself into the top 10 talk, uh, which was not the case at the beginning of the year. You know, at the beginning of the year, he's probably end of the first round fringe first round guy. Um, but you know, this is a big kid. He's mean, and he really came on as the year went on offensively. Um, this is a really good player. I don't think it's an unexpected look in the top 10. Um, he has just got demonstrably better, but he's a big boy. He's a center. Again, he is a mean son of a bitch. Very physical. You know, he's playing <clears throat> in the uh, SHL, playing against men and fitting in. Um, and again, I think, you know, the point production started to come on a little bit at the end of the year. Um, he's getting a little bit more responsibility. I think he's pretty responsible in his own end as well. And I think there's just a lot of things that translate to the NHL level. So, you know, if you're looking at, you know, if you're someone that's been following along all year, but not totally in tune with the draft, but you've just heard names, um, you'll probably hear Marco Casper go higher than you'd expect. Maybe another kid be a Lee and Bichelle, another, uh, 
He's a Swiss kid. Um, he's a big, big, big boy too, and he's also super physical. Uh, I know a lot of teams are liking him, and he actually got a lot better as the year went on as well. Um, so I would look at a guy like him that you know maybe the tool set looked a little bit limited towards the beginning of the year, um, but again, in the, much in the way that Casper really came on as the season went on. Um, you know, his did as well. Liam Bichel, I'd look for him just because there are a lot of teams that are going to love what he brings in terms of a big, big, mean son of a bitch uh, who is fairly mobile. Um, you know, and again, there's projectability at the NHL level. So I'd say those are two guys that I would say would go higher than you might expect. Um, and then in terms of a guy, the guys who are going to fall, well, I got two that are really sticking out. Um, and it's because they're Russian. So you've talked, you've heard me talk about Gleb. Tri- you can see either Trikozov or Trikozov or Trikozov, or the fuck you say his name. This is a kid that probably should go almost around top ten, um, but he's not going to because teams are obviously afraid of drafting Russians now. Even though these kids had nothing to do with anything, um, you know, we've heard of teams that have already said that they just will not be drafting Russian players, which to me, like you totally illegitimize yourself. Um, you know, I think scouting outlets are doing that as well. And it's, I think that's a joke. These kids had nothing to do with anything. They're 18 years old and Trikozov does everything. 200 foot game. Excellent. Hockey IQ. Incredible skating. Yep. A lot of offense there. Um, he's just an excellent player. I think he's worthy of getting a look in the top 10. Um, but he will not, you know, I saw one outlet had him at like 40 something, which is an absolute joke. And then the other one who's also Russian would be an, uh, Ivan Roshnashenko. Um, he just recovered from Hodgkin's lymphoma. So that probably has something to do with it as well. But again, a lot of teams are just afraid of drafting Russians and, um, Roshnashenko is just a bull in a China shop, but there's so much offense there. The shot's incredible. Um, he just does a lot of things really well. You know, the defensive game's obviously a work in progress, just like any of these kids because they're fucking 18. Uh, but there's been a lot of guys that are just putting those two guys. Like, I mean, it even feels kind of fucked up to, like, drop in your rankings because he recovered from cancer. Like, you know what I'm saying? But uh, those are two guys who are Russian who, you know, are probably you know, lower than they should because they're Russian, unless some team has some balls and drafts them because they're kids who had nothing to do with anything that's going on right now. Um, but those are two ones that stick out to me. And then another one, um, probably, and he's going to still go high in the draft, but this is a kid that was flirting with a top five. Uh, for me, he was in the top five all year and he kind of fell off as the year went on, not necessarily fall off. He still led his team in points. and was one of the top scorers at the WHL, but a Matty Savoy, um, you know, there's question marks if if at the NHL level, he is going to be a center or if he's a wing, um, you know, but I think as the year went on, you know, he was still producing, but it wasn't as noticeable, wasn't as effective maybe as you would have liked, but the kid's still incredible. And uh, I just know that there are a lot of guys who are rising, like a Cutter Gauthier looking at like a top five possibility now, and he's kind of overtaken um, Savoy for a lot of people. Um, I still think that would be a little bit aggressive, but a Cutter Gauthier also is a, an incredible player and had an incredible season. Um, but I do think Savoy has slipped a little bit, but nothing crazy like the two Russian kids who are um, – you know, who might not even go in the first round now because they're fucking Russian. But uh, those would be guys that rise and fall. Um, great question. Um, all right, next question. Also from Tyler. How would you rank the following players? Highest floor slash ceiling, et cetera. Kraftsoff, Marchenko, Gritsyuk. 
Um, I'll be honest, I actually haven't really watched a ton of. Um, so Gritsyuk is a. I don't even know if that's what you say. It probably not. Can't be. Um, Gritsyuk, Gritsyuk. I don't know. He's another Russian kid. Um, I think he was a fifth round pick of the Devils in 2020, something like that. Um, he had a really good year. Um, but I I didn't watch as much Omsk as I uh, as other ones. So I, I watched a lot of. Um, you know, Marchenko because I was watching a lot of sky. I love Marchenko. I think he's a really good player. The skating is definitely a question mark, uh, but the skill and the shot at the offense is there. The defense really isn't, but that's okay. Um, again, he's a young kid. He'll be coming. He should be coming over next year for Columbus. And then Kraftsoff. I would want to say Kraftsoff just because we've seen a sample of it. You know, we've seen a little bit in the AHL as well. Um, you know, but I kind of wonder if he's just kind of got him like teams of, especially the Rangers have really soured on him just because, um, you know, the way that he kind of just left because he wasn't getting the playing time he wanted, probably deserved. But um, in terms of like, pure ceiling, like let's just say like none of the other stuff that's happened yet was a factor, I'd probably go Kraft off one, Marchenko two, Gritchuk three. Um, but I also really just, you know, anytime I did watch Omsk, all my viewings of however the fuck you say the kid's name, Gritchuk, Gritchuk, who the fuck? Um, he wasn't very good in the games that I watched, but I do know that he did have a really good year. Um, you know, and the, his draft minus one, his draft zero, and then draft plus one years weren't great. Um, but I do know that this year he was excellent. So, you know, I think all three definitely have NHL potential, NHL futures, but, um, you know, I probably, and I think Marchenko is closer to Kraftsov than I just made that sound. Um, just because again, I watched a lot of Marchenko. There's a lot of stuff there that, that you watch and you're just you love. So, um, but you know, I still think you just look at not only that, but where they were drafted, right? So, Grafsoff, obviously, first round pick, but you know, it, we're at the time now where that it had they have to make it happen. Uh, I thought Kraftsoff would make it happen this season, but you know, he kind of just decided he wanted to go play in Russia. So, we'll see what happens with him, I guess. But I do know that he wants to come back and you know, it's still a damn good hockey player if someone's willing to take them or if the Rangers are willing to throw them in there. So um, in terms of pure ceiling, that's probably the, the order I'd go. Kraftsoff, Marchenko, Grichiuk. Hideki, do you think the Wild should... I'm, I'm going to write this down. I don't know if I answered this. I forgot to delete some of them, the ones I already answered. So I might have answered some of these if I did. My bad. Uh, but Hideki says, do you think the Wild should hire Bruce Cassidy in some capacity? If they were to hire him, what would they hire him as? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> not really, because I don't think Bruce Cassidy is taking any job that isn't a head coaching job. And you're not firing Dean Evison, first of all. You're not doing that. And second of all, you're not doing that to hire Bruce Cassidy. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is an excellent coach. I think, you know, his area of strength is definitely the defensive side. Uh, if you look at the Bruins historically, even with guys, you know, as guys like Chara and Krug and, uh, you know, the list goes on and on, guys who have left, um, you know, and there's young kids that have come in. They've had crazy injury issues over the years that Bruce has been there. And their defensive game is still top five in the league every single season. Uh, one of his best strengths is mitigating other teams' strengths. Like, um, he's really figured out that rush defense. You know, the, if you look at the Bruins, they lead the league in, you know, expected goals against per 60 um you know they, this year they were right on like 1.9 something which is incredible so the, their problem was there's just no 5v5 offense so um 
you know, I guess if they were to hire him, be like a defensive coach because that's just his natural calling card as he was a defensive when he played. Um, but he's a really good, he's a damn good coach, but I just don't think you're getting him for um, anything other than a head coaching gig. And at that point you're talking about firing Dean Evason, which wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because Dean Evason has been nothing but very good for Minnesota, except for the fact that they didn't win a round in the playoffs yet. So there you go. So there's that. Kyle, how high of a ceiling do you think first off has? It's a good question. Um, I can't keep writing these. Um, first off, the book's out. You know, there's definitely a lot of work. Like, he's not nearly – he's not close to being NHL ready yet at all. He obviously had a couple of games in the NHL. Again, I think he actually looked fantastic when he did play. Um, you know, again, this isn't a kid that lacks confidence. You know, he's not worried about, um, you know, being able to perform at the highest level. Um, you know, he's super creative, loves being on the puck. He's a wing that loves having the pocket possession, whether it's out high or, um, you know, down low. It's just, this is a kid. He likes to score goals. He likes to create offense and he does it very well. He definitely needs to get bigger and stronger or at least stronger. I think he's right around six feet. Um, you know, and he's not, it's not that he's like getting nudged off the puck all the time. It's just, I think for him, he does need, it does happen from time to time as any young player. Um, and he definitely needs to get used to just the speed of the game, I think, at the pro level. Um, and he's definitely got to figure out how to get on the inside a little bit more instead of just staying on the perimeter. Uh, but again, you look at the assist that he did have this season, uh, when he did play those few games, and they were right in the middle of the ice, right in front of the net, instead of just throwing a hopeful shot on net, he's you know, little no look dishes. Um, he's excellent. So, you know, I think his absolute ceiling would probably be a, you know, secondary offense. You know, if he could make it to a to a top six winger, I think he's probably not the primary play driver there, but a really good, um, you know, complimentary piece. So, uh, most likely somewhere between. You know, I think he's a second and third line tweener, um, but a really good one at that. If he can kind of round out and mature his game a little bit, and you know, not just be all offense. Okay. Just writing this down. If I can remember what I was talking about. All right. Real quick, before we move on to the next question, let's pay some bills and talk about DraftKings. Hey, hockey fans. In pursuit not in pursuit, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free, dollars in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday? Absolutely, I am. During the playoffs with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe. It is reliable. It is secure. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. I've told you before, I have, I may or may not have had to do that to buy groceries before. Or maybe, allegedly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That is code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. That was pretty good after a rough start, eh? 
All right, next question. Let's see. That's not the page. Dominic Tiano, my guy, one of the best Bruins prospect guys in the world. And just an unbelievable scout. Uh, how many goals will Marco Rossi score next season? Also, how many points? Well, it depends where he finds himself in the lineup. If he makes the team, first of all, I do think he makes the team. Um, and I'm curious to see what that line combination is. I would love to see like a just. I want to see what a get a look, a glimpse of like a, a Jost Rossi Boldy line. I don't think we're gonna see it a lot, but you know, Billy Guerin has talked about how you know this season, you know, Jost is gonna have an opportunity to be a little bit higher up in the lineup. Um, I do think Joe's natural game offensively, the possession game kind of does fit Rossi and Boldy for sure. Boldy and Rossi have already played together. It looked unbelievable. Um, so I think if they're together, you know, it depends how long it takes for Marco Rossi to get comfortable and whether or not they get those real good minutes. And um, again, if he does like make the team out of camp, like no shit, and you stick him on that line because you're not putting him on a fourth line. Um, that's for sure. You're not just putting him in a defensive role, although he's a good defensive hockey player, but for me, I think a successful year would be 12, 10 or 12 goals. Um, you know, I think if he hits 40 points, you're jumping over the moon, to be honest. Again, this is a kid who's played one year of pro hockey after missing a whole year. So, um, you know, he's definitely got to stay healthy. We'll see who his line mates are. I think if he plays a Matt Boldy, Matt Boldy's obviously more comfortable yet, comfortable now after a year, um, you know, and it, they have to stay healthy though. So we'll see who else fits in on that line and where Rossi slots. And if he really does make the team out of camp full time as an NHLer, um, and whether they tinker with lines at all and try him somewhere else. Um, but you know, I think 12 goals, 10, 12 goals, 25, 30 assists. I am, I think, I think he is capable of that over 82 games for sure. Um, you know, and there's definitely potential that he could just take off because he's, I mean, the kid's that good. He just is. And he obviously was hurt as this as the year went on down in Iowa. Um, you know, he definitely didn't have the benefit of having consistent line mates. But, um, you know, I think if he does make the team and he does play with Boldy and they find the right combination, the right trio, um, you know, maybe it is Gaudreau with Boldy on the left, Gaudreau on the right, Rossi in the middle. I do think he is just a, a center. I don't think they should try him at wing. I think they should keep him at center. But, um, you know, I'm happy with 10, 12 goals, 20, 30 assists. That's that's all good in my book for sure. And I mean, I said that's making me, that's me making it sound like that wouldn't be impressive. Uh, that's pretty good for a goddamn rookie, especially one who's played a year of hockey over the last two years. So um, that's what I'll say on that one. All right. State of hoppy, my guy. Uh, which player has the highest ceiling in the MHL? So that is the Russian Junior League. Um, and I guess it really depends on what you're really talking about. Because, I mean, Matt Faye Mitchkov, <laughs> the kid who's going to go in either first or second or maybe third, depending on the whole Russia thing. Uh, 2023, he looks like one of the best players on the planet. It's funny, if you look at his like statistical... Um, you know, prospecting page that Byron Bader does. That's really interesting. He like his production is on par with like Gretzky at his age. So like, it's a fucking joke. So, I mean, it's by far him, but in terms of 2022 guys, Oh my God, Kucherov just almost scored a ridiculous goal. Um, you know, that's a good question right now. It look it looks like 
Well, Chikoza probably played more in the VHL than he did the MHL. Um, you know, I'd say Danila Yurov, but he played technically more games in the KHL. But when he did play in the MHL, he was putting up two and three points per game. So like, I'd probably say him. Um, you know, he's definitely going down in rankings right now just because of the fact that he, when he was playing in the KHL, he was playing either zero minutes or he was playing like 20 or 30 seconds or just like not playing at all. So he didn't really play as much hockey as he would have liked out of a kid that was projected top five at one point beginning of the year. Um, but I'd probably say him. You know, you could also look like a kid like Paravalov. Um, that's another kid who's going to go lower than he should because he's Russian. Um, I love Paravalov. Um, and then a, a, along with that, probably Mirashtasheko. But I'd probably say Yurov right now, um, just the guys that were more so consistently playing in the MHL. Um, all right. Kalisha Townsell. Will there be a new special teams coordinator? You won't win the Stanley Cup having Marcus Polino and Freddie Kudrow QB the PP. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he definitely won't. Um, but I don't think so. I think they're just going to, you know, I don't think there's going to be any coaching changes. Again, I know everyone's talking about, well, they got to they gotta get a new power play. They don't win the Stanley Cup if they have a new power play coach. That's not just how it works. Uh, I do think there was a little bit of injury issues with the power play. Like Matt Dumba didn't get as much power play time as he probably could have because – uh, that injury really limited him in that shot. Um, they do need to change a little bit. They need to get a little bit more dynamic out there and try new things aside from like letting Kaprizov dance around. Um, and hope him and Zuccarello just like combine for something or, you know, Erickson gets a rebound goal, but up oh, for or a three, one Tampa wins. There you go. Um, no, there will not be a new special teams quarter. I don't think, um, yeah, I guess, you know, people are – that seems to be the thing that people are all really fired up about, but I don't think so. Torch Twine, what's been going on with Huznadinov since he signed the extension? Haven't heard or seen anything. He was really good. Shocking, he got more playing time when he signed that extension. All of a sudden, he wasn't buried on the fourth line playing 45 seconds a game. Um, he immediately, the first game, like within two days of him signing that contract, he was playing on the second line at center – 16 minutes and playing really well. Um, so again, I think he has played well when he's been playing. Um, it's just been a lot of defensive work more so than getting a ton of offensive looks. Again, they kept bringing guys over to Ska as well. Um, and then as once they were eliminated from the playoffs in the KHL, he went down to the MHL for the finals and tore it up. Um, you know, it didn't like pop with all the points, obviously, but he was playing with, you know, like Mitchkov and he was playing with um, the kid for the, Got drafted by Winnipeg. Fucking what's this kid's name? Ah, oh, Jesus. Um, and they were just dominating. Like they were in Globetrotter mode every game. So he's been he's been great. So um, I guess we won't really see him this summer because Russia isn't allowed to play at the World Juniors this summer. Um, but yeah, he's been really good. So once he signed that contract, they were letting him play more than two minutes or like five seconds. Uh, they're just like letting him play hockey. Um, and I thought he looked really good. He had a couple of really nice assists actually. But um, yeah. I mean, right now, again, he's profiling not so much like a second-line center, but he also hasn't really got a ton of looks offensively. So, um, you know, I think this upcoming year, you know, you'll see him in the lineup more regular. You'll see him get more minutes. He'll have more responsibilities. He'll be higher in the lineup, um, and it's going to be a chance for him to really make that offensive game pop. Because um, right now, again, I've said this before, his absolute floor is like prime Minnesota Wild Nico Sturm, where 
you know, you look at his underlying numbers defensively and he's incredible. And there is offense there. The skating's unbelievable. Um, there is skill. Who's a Dinov is very skilled. He just doesn't really put on display a lot. He does need to get the inside still more for sure. And he is still like 160 pounds. He's like five. Technically, he's like 5'10". Uh, if you told me he was 5'5", five, five, I'd believe you. Um, but, you know, he still does have that pedigree. He does have the ceiling of like a second line center. So I think that's what they're hoping for, for sure. But um, either way, regardless of where he ends up, I think he's going to be a really good player. And he's one of their best prospects. So there you go. Yeah, he's been good, though. He has been good. Oh, and we're fighting after the game. I think Nick Paul just like ripped a shot after the buzzer because someone hit him in the head. Lafreniere's tied up with Stamkos. Oh, Stamkos. Oh, 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 they're fighting. Oh, my God. They're actually fighting. Oh, my God. They're punching each other on the ground. Lafreniere and fucking Stamkos. <laughs> Why were they doing that? Holy fuck. That was hilarious. They got a speed bag. Oh, Nick Paul is talking. Okay, I just got to go to the podcast, kid. Oh, my God. That was fucking hilarious. They're still fighting. Stamkos and Lafreniere dropping the gloves after the game's over. Are they going to get suspended for that? That was fucking hilarious. All right. Moving on. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, it was Kucherov that shot after the fucking game was over. Of course he did, that little rat fuck. Oh, God. I got to fucking put that video out. That was hilarious. Stand by. Pause. I mean, they were they were really fighting. All right. As a double task here. Uh, Dingleberry, oh God, asks. <laughs> that's nice. How many straws can you fit in a beer? However many it takes. Uh, Fiala with 11 million exclamation points. Will Hovanov ever figure it out? Right now it points towards no. If you listen to Tim Army, he pretty much just laid it out and said, he has to lose weight. That's literally what he said. And then he said later he saw him like at the airport or like somewhere in town, like just rocking a milkshake. So it sounds like he's just not doing that. Um, but it really is like the one thing that's getting in his way from being a legit. Cause we're talking about a kid, a kid with the, some of the highest offensive upside in terms of just pure ceiling. Um, you know, the offensive IQ, the way he plays, he plays fucking hard. I mean, he he's a gritty player. Um, and he's just a really good player, but he just kind of chooses to do his own thing. So right, it's not looking very likely just because it seems like he just loves to crush fucking milkshakes and burgers and like good for him. I also like doing that. So I'm never going to chirp him for that, even though I kind of just did. But right now it doesn't look like it. But again, there's, the skill is there. The potential is there. It's just whether or not he decides to go out and actually do it. So um, that's that. Korea season. Should the wildfire Dean for Bruce Cassidy or Trotz? No. That's all I got for you. I'm sorry. 
Jay Schlichty, what kind of years did Barabo and Jones have the AHL and ECHL, and how are their developments coming along? I'd say Jones isn't, but hasn't. They had a really rough year. Yeah, well, he's just a fucking horrible year. Um, he had flashes again where he's making these saves, but every time he played in the AHL, I'm, I swear to God, these teams are just laying eggs in front of him. This poor kid. I felt bad, honestly, at, at one point. Like it was just, um, you got no help. Like he got shelled. And, you know, he's a very emotional kid, too. I've said this before. You know, he, he gives up the goal, and he's just all over himself. Um, I thought Barabo actually played really well this season. He was right around, like, 9-10, I think. Um, you know, he definitely had a better year than Jones. Neither one of them were, like, lights out. But uh, Barabo definitely had the better of the year between those two. But once McIntyre came back, it was his net, and he was excellent for them. I bet they were going to try to bring him back, too. Um, but they're still young. I think Barabo is 23 or 24. Jones, I think, is 22. So, you know, they're goalies. They take a while to figure it out. So there you go. Last question from Matthew, who threw it in today. After listening about the King's offers in the last two pods, thoughts on this idea? Kings get Fiala and one of Addison O'Rourke or Hunt. The Minnesota Wild get a 2023 first-round pick, top 10 protected. Gabe Velarde and Brock Faber. Now you're talking. I like it. Um, you know, I think they would, I'd have a hard time. Addison's NHL ready, right? So, you know, Faber isn't yet, but he's really close. He's an excellent player. He had an incredible season, and he's just unbelievable. Uh, Velarde is NHL ready. He's just been getting scratched, and, um, you know, he's had some health issues, and I think he's just kind of – you know, becomes supplanted there just by other young players and high draft picks. And so I do think that that's a guy that's definitely available to get. And I personally love Gabe Velarde. I just think, you know, he hasn't really had a ton of luck going his way. And hey, listen, he's had opportunities too, and he hasn't taken them. But um, I also do think a little bit, a little bit of that has just been the fact that there are so many young players and he did get hurt and, you know, he went through a rough patch, but every once in a while you see the, the skill, the shot, you know, you see him use the body. He's a big fucking dude. Um, and you know, I think maybe it'll just have to happen somewhere else for him. Um, and I would absolutely take that kid in a Fiala trade. I just think if you're having Velarde, then I, I want more, which makes sense for a 2023 first. And then you add Faber in there. And obviously if you're going to add Faber in there, you have to also add more than just Fiala. Um, and that's where Addison O'Rourke or Hunt come in. I'd probably try to get them to take, you know, if you're going to offer one of those three, I would feel most comfortable losing Damon Hunt. Um, although I think he's an incredible player, you know, he's got the health issues. Um, and I do think it's going to take him a little bit of time to adjust to playing NHL hockey, um, just with his style next year's gonna be a big year for him. He's going to have to play Tim army hockey. He's going to have to play not like a Rover, like he was a moose show, like what him and Denton Matejuk were doing all season long. You just can't do it in the NHL level. Um, definitely some bad habits stuck in the game, but like he also was dominating. So it was hard to get mad at him for it. I mean, at one point he had like 17 goals, which was in like 40 games. So he was like leading when he was healthy, he was leading the WHL in goals for defensemen. So, um, but I mean, I, I don't think it's too crazy. I mean, it's, that, that'd be a massive trade. Um, and I would be okay with it, but, um, why not? I say, let's just do it. I hit, I try to go hunt and then O'Rourke and then Addison. Um, even though I do think if David Hunt does hit, if he figures out and he can play his game like that and he can stay healthy, he probably does have a little bit higher upside than O'Rourke just in terms of, you know, there's more offense there, obviously. Um, you know, I think the skating is probably a little bit better and um, he is just an animal. So O'Rourke's definitely going to be that 
guy that plays forever. You don't really notice him that much, but he's just steady Eddie in the back, making good decisions. He's big, he's tough, he plays hard. So I just love the way O'Rourke plays, but and he plays like a pro already. So, um, but yeah, I'm in. Let's just do it. Let's do it, Matthew. Let's hit trade. Uh, we get that first round pick. You get Gabe Velarde. Hopefully, he stays healthy, but he could be. A, he, I mean, he that's like the profile is like a top six center. So, if, you know, that gives you a little cushion there. If uh, you know, if Huzadina doesn't exactly turn out to be a, a number two C. You know, I think if Velarde stays healthy and, uh, you know, he, oh, my God, did you see my dog just come in here? That was wild. Um, but Velarde could definitely be that guy if he hits his full potential. So that's that. We did it. We finished part two. Um, I remember to do it. Credit to me. I'm great. Uh, you guys sent in questions. You're great. Um, I guess I'll see you guys in a couple days because it's already Thursday. I don't know when this is going to come out. Um, I'm just adding more onto each just play without telling him. So whenever he edits it and sends it out, that's when it comes out. So it'd be pretty funny if it comes out the same day as the next podcast. You get two, that'd be hilarious. But anyways, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sending questions. Thank you for being nice uh, when you reply to my tweets or send me messages how you all listen. It's actually kind of cool. So um, with that, I'll see you next time. Have a lovely weekend as my mouse dies. Okay, goodbye.